So, hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Psalm 92 and verse 12. Psalm 92 and verse 12. And we're going to start a new series today called Planted. Everybody say Planted. Okay, Psalm 92. I apologize to you guys right here. It's going to be a little bit hard to see the screen. Hey, what's up? What's up over here? Psalm 92, verse 12. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Man, another Florida verse. I really need to go to Florida here. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And those who are planted, everybody say planted, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Come on, any seasoned saints want to say amen to that? They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Mm. And there is no unrighteousness in him. So if you're taking notes today, preaching on planted. We're going to start a new series today. We're going to talk about the importance of the local church in your life. Amen. You excited about that? Like, I've heard that before. Good. You need to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the moment you stop hearing about a certain subject is the moment you stop having faith in that subject. That's why you need to keep hearing messages on healing when you've already heard messages on healing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Or you say, I've already heard messages about prosperity. I got it. No, you don't. Because the minute you stop hearing it, you won't have faith for whatever you've been hearing. So you need to hear and hear and hear the Word of God on a subject. So that's why we need to preach about healing. We need to preach about prosperity. We need to preach about deliverance. We need to preach about what God has done. We need to preach about the local church when you've already heard messages on the local church and you're already here in a local church this morning. You say, I got it already. No, you don't. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So whatever you're listening to all the time, that's what you will have faith in, whether that's good or bad, negative or positive. And that's why it's, it's no good to listen to the news all day on the radio or on TV or on the internet because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you will believe that report over this report because you're listening to it and it comes by hearing and hearing. So that's why we need to talk about the local church today. And I love talking about the local church. I love it. This is one of my favorite subjects to ever talk about is the local church. I have probably more messages about the church and the importance of the house of God than any other sermons I got in that back office. And I got a stack of hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands at this point of messages from the past 12 years. And a lot of those have to do with the church because it's so important and so many people miss it. Now, I'm a church kid from the old school church kid. I'm 30 years old physically, but in church years, I'm 65. You guys know that? I've said that before. I'm an old church soul. That's why I know all the songs. I know all the prayers. I know all the old terms. You don't have to tell me, and you're like, you're 30 years old. Yes, but I'm an old church soul. I'm a seasoned saint in my spirit. You know it to be true. I mean, there's benefits of being a church kid. And then on top of that, I'm not just a church kid. I'm a pastor's kid. So I'm at every service, and I'm at every event, and I'm at everything that ever happened at this church for 30 years. So 
I'm 65 on the inside. But I love the church. And I've seen the people who did it the right way. And I've seen people that did it the wrong way. So that's why I get a little bit excited about this. Because I want to help people make the right decisions pertaining to the church. Now when I say church today, I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. Because we're not the only good church in town. There's... Plenty of great, awesome churches in southern Indiana and Louisville. I could give you a list of them. There's plenty of them. But we're just one of the many. So we're going to talk about the importance of the church today, the house of God. We're going to talk about planted. Planted today. Planted in the house of God. It was God's intention always to have a family. The Bible is the story of the father and his family. People read the Bible so wrong. They read it like it's a rule book. It's just a book to tell me all the things I can't do and spoil my fun. It's just a book to record history. No, the Bible is an account of the father and his family. The father and his family. He created mankind because he wanted a family. That was his choice, not ours. He wanted a family. He wanted someone to share it with. He wanted someone to share his creation and his authority and the universe with, and he created a family. But how many know for every family, they need a house to live in? They need a house. And that's where you live life. You do life in your house. And so in the beginning, the Garden of Eden was the house of God. That's where God and his family dwelled. But we know Adam and Eve messed that up. They sinned and they got kicked out of the garden. And so we see in the Old Testament, because of sin, God had to find a place where he can meet with his people. And we see that Moses created this place that God said called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the wilderness. It was like a tent structure where they would meet with God. They would give sacrifices there. They would worship God. They would pray to God. And in the tabernacle was the presence of God. And that's where God and his family dwelt together was in the tabernacle. That was the house of God in the Old Testament. Something interesting about the tabernacle in the Old Testament is that when they were in the wilderness, there was 12 tribes. You guys remember that? There's 12 tribes. And God told them to put the tabernacle in the middle. The tabernacle wasn't on the outskirts of the camp. It was in the middle of the camp. Because God's presence needs to be in the middle of your life. It needs to be the thing that you surround your life with. Not other activities be the middle. God needs to be the middle. God needs to be first place. God needs to be the priority. So he said, put the tabernacle in the middle so you won't forget about me. Keep my presence. Keep Keep my remembrance of me always before you because I'm going to put my presence and the place that I dwell in the middle of the camp. And this is with hundreds of thousands and millions of people around this tabernacle, which was God's house. Put it in the middle. Because God wants to be first in your life. He should be the priority. He should be the thing that you plan the rest of your life around. Church should not be an afterthought. It should be the middle. Well, something came up. It wouldn't come up if church was the middle. But I had to work. 
It wouldn't come up if church was in the middle. I had school. It wouldn't come up if church was in the middle. None of those things have eternal significance. Only the house of God does. Don't get me preaching so far. I'm not barely even into my notes. We all say that. We all make excuses. But let's just be honest. It's not true. If it was in the middle, it would be a priority. We would put it on our calendar, and like the words of Brother Sean, he would say, you put it on the calendar, and nothing moves it off the shelf. Nothing comes up. If something comes up, you just say, okay, I have church. If it's in the middle, if it's a priority. Now, don't get legalistic and religious about this. That's not what I'm saying. But it should be a priority. It should be the middle of your life, the house of God. So it went from the tabernacle to the temple, which David funded, but Solomon, his son, built the temple, which was a huge structure in Jerusalem made of gold and silver and precious stones and precious woods. The temple of that day would have been worth millions, and in our day it would be worth billions because it was made out of gold. We have metal and wood and drywall around here, which is good. But they made the church or the house of God in the Old Testament out of gold and silver and marble and precious stones. Why? Because they realized that God deserves the best. If it's for God, it should look the best. It should be the best building in town. It should have the best landscaping. Thank you, Landscape Day people. I saw all you out here yesterday. Because if it's for God, it should be the best in town. It shouldn't be the old church in, in behind the railroad tracks that's falling down, that's not painted, that looks like a piece of junk that nobody wants to go to. That should not be the house of God. The house of God should be the best building in the best place, looking the best, because God deserves the best. The banks and the businesses do not deserve the best buildings. Get you a nice building, but the church deserves the best because it's not just for us, it's for him. And it's for all the people that are going to come in, a lot of times just by the way it looks on the outside. The house of God. So in the Old Testament, the temple was made out of gold and silver and precious stones. An amazing place because God deserved the best. He still does. But we see we go into the New Testament and... Something happens where God goes from dwelling into in a place or a box, which was known as the Ark of the Covenant, to the Spirit of God doesn't just dwell there. He dwells in us. So in one sense, we are walking and talking houses of God, which is true. Today, if you have received Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you are a walking, talking house of God. But there's something also mentioned in the New Testament is they would come together and meet as a community of believers called the church. The word in the Greek is ekklesia, which means an assembly of called out ones. Notice, an assembly of called out ones. I don't hear anything about you at Starbucks pastoring yourself. Not in there. Ekklesia means a called out assembly together of the called out ones or anointed ones of God. That means all of us coming together. And yes, all of us are the house of God, but when we come together, we make up the corporate house of God where God's presence dwells, where we can do more together than we can apart. 
And there's something that happens in the house of God that you can't get in your own devotional life. You can't get in your own prayer time. You can't get in your own Bible reading. There's a different anointing here than there is in your own prayer time. And yes, you need those private times, but you can't match the corporate anointing that happens when we all come together. And that's the way that God set it up. Is we need each other. We need community. We need the house of God. It says in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And it says, the closer we get to Jesus coming back, the more you need to meet together, not less. Because trust me, when it gets darker, we need each other more. It's like, I need to hurry up and get to church. It's been crazy this week. I don't know, sometimes I feel that way. And that's why he says, don't forsake assembling together. Don't forsake getting together. Because that's the church. That's the house of God. And the closer we get to Jesus coming back, we need more of that. We need more community. We need more life groups. We need more services. We need more get-togethers. We need more church picnics. We need more of that because we need each other. And the church in the New Testament, it says, is the house of God. That's what your Bible says in Timothy. The church is the house of God. And that's where we receive so much. And I'm not denying that you can't have a relationship with God outside of church. You can. It just won't be what it should be. You won't get to where you need to go. You'll get somewhere. You'll have some fruit. You'll do something with your life, but it won't be what it could be because you can't do it apart from the church. You can't grow without other people. You can't change without other people. You can't get into the plan of God fully for your life without other people. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. So you can tell I'm a little bit fired up about this message. Just a little bit. I told you I'm an old church soul. I've seen it. Time after time again. The house of God. I love church. I'm not one of those church kids that gives the testimony. I didn't like church growing up. Get out of here. (laughs) I realize there's a lot of churches that are boring and lame, and they grow up in those environments, and then they have a bad attitude towards God and say, I don't want to be in church. But if you grow up in this church, it was not that case. So don't give this testimony. I didn't like church growing up. Listen, I wasn't always right, and I'm still not. But I always liked church. I could be arguing with mom and dad all week long, but I wanted to still come to church. Mom actually gave me that compliment the other day. They were like, Jordan, we've seen you very rebellious towards us, but never rebellious against God. I said, yeah, I think that's accurate. There was times I didn't like you, but I'm like, I like church and I like God. I have that reverence for him. But I've always loved church and there's so many people today that think, think it's awesome to, to make blogs and videos and, and do messages about how we don't like church and how church hurts people and how church is wrong and how don't, we don't need the church because it's man-made and we just need our Ourself at a coffee shop with a nice devotional Bible, pastoring ourselves. Because the church is something that is man-made, not God-made. Actually, it was God's idea, not ours. And the thing is, 
People have hurt people, but that's not the church. That's people. And people say, well, the church hurt me. No, the church did not hurt you. People hurt you that are not right in church. <laughs> so that's not God. Let's not throw it off on God. Let's not throw it off of the church that he created, not just this one with the global church. And a lot of people run away just because someone hurt their feelings or someone didn't like them or something went wrong. The church isn't perfect. And we're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we're serving a perfect God, a perfect creator, a perfect Lord. And we're all coming together to say we need him. And we need each other. And we can't do this apart from him and each other. That's why we need it. And we need the church. So don't let hurt or pain or offense in past situations keep you away from God's house. It's happened to everybody. You want to know a, a truthful fact about pastors? Pastors get hurt more than anybody at church, but they still have to be there the next Sunday to preach. But if I didn't show up, you'd be upset. But you don't show up when you're upset. But that's what we pay you to do. I was doing it before I was paid to do it. I was here. That's the truth. And we don't come to church for that. We come to church for him, and we come to church for each other. Because it's important. The house of God is important. The house of God is worth it. And that's God's plan, the church, to be planted in the church to be a part of what he's doing, to be a part of community. That's where we grow. That's where we change. That's where we live our lives. That's God's plan that we don't forsake it, that we cherish it. We honor the house of God, not in a weird way like we're bowing down to this building. If we sold this building tomorrow, it wouldn't be a church anymore. We could move somewhere else and still be the church. The church is us. But we do need a building. Come on, can we get an amen for that? You appreciate not having mosquitoes and ticks all over you this morning. You appreciate a seat. You appreciate AC. I do. So we need it. It's not the church, but we need it. We need the house of God. So let's look at Psalm 92 and verse 12. Now this is in the Amplified Bible. It says Psalm 92, 12. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. Come on now, somebody. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. Verse 15, they are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promise. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Come on, isn't that good from the Amplified? 
so I want to talk to you today about planted. And the Bible uses a lot of times word pictures to describe what's going on. But especially in the book of Psalms, David uses word pictures. So he'll talk about an animal. Like he'll say, uh, I sought after you, God, like the deer seeks after water. He's not saying I'm a deer. He's giving you a word picture of what he's feeling. So a lot of times, since they were agricultural people, they were people who lived in rural areas, there's a lot of examples all throughout the Bible of agriculture and trees and plants and crops. So he uses this example about us being like trees, the righteous, the people that are saved, the people that are planted in the house of God. And he said they're like trees, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But they're like trees, and they're planted in the house of the Lord. They're planted in the house of the Lord. Now, what is the house of God? John Daniel, he's the only one who got it. Get this man extra praise bucks immediately. Where's Brother Sean? We should have thrown some candy at you. You're like, yes, you got it right. Let's try it one more time. Now, what is the house of God? The church. The house of God or the house of the Lord is church. And it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. I want to talk to you about something first before we get into these scriptures. Are you planted or are you potted? Are you planted or are you potted? I'm going to tell you something about a planted plant that's in the ground. The planted plant bears fruit and a lot of it because its roots are able to go down into the soil and into the ground and it bears fruit. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. The potted plants bear a little bit of fruit, but not the kind of fruit that ones that have roots that go into the soil get. There's a difference. You can get a little bit of fruit when you're potted, but not the same kind of fruit when you're planted. Here's another thing that happens. When you're planted, your roots go down in the earth And so when the winds and storms of life come to blow, you don't fall over because your roots are down in the house of God. So when the winds of life come, you don't move because your roots are in the house of the Lord and you're planted. But how many have seen the potted plants at our church when the storm comes? Miss Jenny knows about this. Every windstorm we have at church, all the potted plants in the front go, Every time. Then somebody has to go, all right, let's pick this up again. How many people do you know like this? All right, we're going to have to pick him up again. He had a bad weekend. All right, he got a bad doctor's report. We're going to have to pick him up again. His family's a mess all the time. We're going to have to pick him up again. Because they're not planted they're potted 
And you will never be a stable person until you get planted. And you can't just get planted anywhere. In the house of the Lord is where you get planted. And then your roots grow down deep so when the storms of life come, you're not by yourself. You have roots going everywhere and you're strong in the Lord and the power of His might because you have strength because you have roots. And a potted plant has some roots, but they're so tiny, they don't help. And on top of that, they're not connected to anything. So guess what? Next week, storm of life. You've seen people that are like that. All of us were in there like that before we got planted in the house of God. Are you planted or are you potted? Because it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Those who are planted in the house of God will bear fruit. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will be refreshed and flourishing and vital and living. Those who are planted, not potted. And the people that are potted think they're getting away with it because they have a little fruit and a little root. But there's no real fruit and stability in their life because they're potted, not planted. Planted plants are strong. Potted are not. The thing about something that's planted is its roots grow down deep. It decides what church that God has called them to be, and they get planted. They don't do this. Well, let's do Northside today. Well, let me try Cornerstone this week. Uh, let's go to Greater Faith this Sunday. Well, a little too Pentecostal for me. Let's try Southeast. Uh, I'm kind of in the Baptist feeling. Let's go to Graceland this Sunday. All of these churches are good churches that I'm naming. I'm not. Then, uh, I don't know. I kind of like Pastor Jordan. Let's go back to Church on the Rock. <laughs> Never stable. You guys know when you keep ripping a tree out of the ground and you keep moving it around, it's going to die. There's no stability. There's no way the tree can live if you keep moving it all the time. But so many people are like that. They need to get planted in the house of the Lord so they'll flourish. So many people are scattered because they're not planted. They're potted. You guys getting something so far today? You got to get planted, not potted. And here's the extreme one. Planted, potted, and this is my favorite person, the tumbleweed believer. (laughs) No roots, no fruit, just annoying. (laughs) At least the potted has a little fruit, a little roots, and you're like, oh, it's kind of pretty. But the tumbleweed is ugly. Always moving around. No fruit, no roots, always on the go. 
because it's not planted. That's a tumbleweed believer. We'll let that one go today. So are you planted or are you potted is the question. But it's not that you're just planted. Where you are planted matters. I'm about to say something and I need you to help me like you're real Pentecostals around here. Not just that you're planted, but where you are planted matters. Do you realize just in the natural, there's certain things that only grow in certain parts of this country. If you want oranges, don't grow them in southern Indiana. Because trust me, it's going to snow tomorrow and they're going to die. 90, snow, 90, snow, rain, hurricane, snow, tornado, rain. Oranges cannot survive in that. So where you are planted matters. If you're an orange tree, you can't be planted in southern Indiana. you got to be planted in Florida. But if you want to grow corn, you got to go to the Midwest. If you want to be a good soybean, you got to be in the Midwest. But you know, there's parts of Northern California where only certain types of almonds and certain types of grapes grow because of the environment and the soil. So we can't grow, I apologize, Huber, Huber Winery, but you can't grow good grapes in Southern Indiana. You can't grow certain types of almonds in Southern Indiana. You could try, but it won't work because where you are planted matters. Not just that you're planted, but where you are planted matters. So if you're an orange, you need to go where the oranges are. And if you're a corn, you need to go where the corn is. And if you're grapes, you need to go where the grapes is. And that doesn't make you better than anybody else, but you need to be in the right soil. Are you following what I'm saying today? I want to quote something to you today. The soil that you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. The soil that you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. So all of us here are like seeds. I feel like Bishop Jakes today, my God. <laughs> so the soil you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. So all of us, our lives are like seeds. But since we're seeds, we don't know where we belong. You don't know whether you're an orange or a grape or an almond or corn. You don't know that because you're a seed. But the sower, who is Jesus, knows where to plant you, where you'll grow. And there is a specific place, hear me, where he knows that you fit and you'll grow. And it's not every church. The soil that you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. We all have the seed of God in us, but it determines the fruit where we're planted. And we don't know those things. Jesus, the head of the church, knows where we fit, knows where we belong, knows where we need to be planted, and he will put you in the soil that you need to be in. 
to produce fruit. Every person on, a pl- on the planet has a church that God has called them to be at. Every person has a church that God has called them to be in, a local church, a house of God to get planted in. Every person. We need to hear from God on what that place is. Because until we get planted in the right place, we won't flourish. We won't grow. We will be like an orange in southern Indiana. And vice versa, corn in Florida. Because the soil we're planted in determines the fruit we produce. Everyone has a place where they belong. Everyone has a place to get planted. Are you following me so far? And Jesus is the one who determines that. That's why you don't come to this church because we have an awesome youth ministry. Don't do it. You don't come to church because you like to praise and worship. You don't even come to church here because you like me. You come to this church because God told you to come to this church. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? And if he didn't tell you to go here... Listen to what he says and go get planted there because that's the soil that will produce fruit in your life. And if he tells you, Graceland, I will pat you on the back and say, I love you. I will not get mad if God said that. If he tells you, Northside, I will say, go for it, get planted, and you will produce fruit. If he tells you another church that I don't even know of, I will say, good for you. I love you. Get planted there. Because you have to hear from God where you need to be planted. And the soil that you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. I take, take no offense at any other church, but there's a lot of you who came out of other churches into this church. And you were good seed, but you were not growing and you were not producing fruit. Not because you were wrong, but you were in the wrong environment. And God was saying, no, this is not where you belong. You need to take your seed and go get planted in another place where you can grow and you can bear fruit. Are you picking up what I'm laying down today? I know I'm wound tight, but just appreciate it this morning. So it matters not just we're planted, but where we're planted. Where did God tell you to plant? That's why when people that are planted here, and they say, God told me to plant here, and then they leave church, and you say, well, what happened? Well, I just feel like we need to leave. Did God say that, or did you say that? (laughs) Or did your feelings say that? Who said that? Because God's not schizophrenic. God's not going to tell you, you go to Graceland this week, you go to Northside this week, you go to... No, God's... He has one church and one place you need to get planted. Now, I realize if Church on the Rock was no more tomorrow, he would tell you another church, but that's not the case. Go where he tells you to get planted. That's where your roots grow down deep. That's when you bear fruit, is when you're in the right soil to produce. You guys get something so far today. I remember Dr. Dufresne said this, and people kind of got a little uncomfortable about this statement, but it's true if you think about it. He said, it's life and death where you go to church. And people are like, oh my gosh. 
such a strong statement. It's acting like you're above every other church. Let me explain this to you. It's life and death where you go to church. Don't just think about physically dying. If you go to a church who never talks about prosperity, never talks about God wants to bless you, never talks about finances, that's death in your life. It's life and death where you go to church. If you go to a church that never says it's God's will to heal, that always says, well, God's trying to teach you something, that never brings up that there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, that's bringing death into your life. It's life and death where you go to church. That's just a couple examples. If you go to a church who says it's always God's will, whatever will be, will be, you have no responsibility. Death. You go to a church who mocks praying in tongues, mocks laying hands on the sick, mocks deliverance, mocks the spirit-filled life, it's death. So that's what, when Dr. Dufresne said that, it makes sense now. It's life and death where you go to church. Not just physically, spiritually death. Am I too strong for you this morning? (laughs) Oh, you've had Dr. Jacobs for 30 years. This is not strong at all. (laughs) I know that sounds strong, but it's life and death. Now, by me saying that, once again, to put a disclaimer on all you sensitive people in here, we're not the only church in town who speaks life. There's plenty of other ones. But I'm saying there's a lot of churches that don't. So for you choosing to get planted there, it's going to produce death instead of life. So it's life and death where we get planted. The soil you're planted in will determine the fruit you produce. guys still like me? All right, good. All right, let's read this verse again. Psalm 92 and verse 12. So once again, he's given a word picture of somebody who's planted in the house of God. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful, and they will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. So let's talk about the first part of this verse he says when you get planted as a righteous person in the right place first of all you'll have a long life are you seeing that long lived something about the palm tree is they live most of them to be a hundred years old when you get planted in the right place there's long life attached to it and it says the palm tree notice it's long lived upright, and useful. He's saying that's what your life will be like when you're planted in the right place. Something about palm trees, they are the best tree to withstand a storm. Do you guys know that? They are made to sustain hurricanes. That's why a lot of times you'll see so much destruction and there's still palm trees standing because they're made to endure the storm. God's saying that's what your life will be like when you're planted in the house of God. Your life will be a long-lived life. You will have longevity. But not only that, when you're planted like the palm tree, 
You'll be, be with able to withstand the storms of life. And you might shake, but you won't fall over. You might experience the winds and the rain of life, but you won't fall over because palm trees are meant to withstand storms. Isn't that good? And then he says, and you'll be like, word picture, the cedar in Lebanon. Majestic and stable. Now these trees, the cedars of Lebanon, you hear this in the Bible where, like it says, majestic, they were beautiful. They were like, uh, if you went to California to see the redwoods or the sequoia trees, they were known to be strong. So your life will be strong when you're planted like this, like the cedars in Lebanon. But also, uh, this cedar of Lebanon, the tree was known to be the king of trees. Because it was so strong and tall and stable. God's saying, that's what your life will be like when you're planted. I love it because he's giving you a word picture of what your life is going to look like when you're planted in the house of God. You'll be like the palm tree. You'll live long and finish strong. (laughs) You'll be able to withstand the storms of life. You'll be like the cedar, majestic, strong, the king of trees. Able to withstand the storms of life when you're planted in the house of God. Verse 13, it says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Next verse. Growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. Notice they will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. Verse 15, they are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright faithful to his promise he is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him let's jump back to psalm 92 12 to 13 but i love it. it says planted in the house of the lord they will flourish in the courts of our god this is something interesting about cedars of lebanon but also i did some research about the sequoia trees and the redwood trees of California. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of the biggest trees on the planet. Some of these trees are 300 feet high. You can drive a car through them. They're that big. It's interesting, first of all, like we just said, you've got to be in the right environment. There's only one part on the planet in California where those trees can grow. And they're only that big because of the soil and the environment they're planted in. You could plant that same redwood and sequoia tree seed somewhere else and it wouldn't get that big and it wouldn't be that strong because it's not planted in the right atmosphere, in the right soil. But something interesting about this, which has to do with church and community, the reason that sequoia or redwood trees are able to stand tall without falling over. You think about how old some of those trees are. Some of them are a 1,000 years old, longevity. Now, none of you are believing for a 1,000 years, but still. 
Talk about longevity, a thousand years old, but some of them are up to 300 feet high. You know how all those trees stay standing when they're so big? This is so good. Their roots are intertwined together. I'll be seeing you guys next week. Their roots are intertwined together. So that means they're only strong because they're all connected. They're only that big because they're that connected. They only lasted all these years because they're all connected. Because they have a life group. Because they come to service. Because they're in the ministry of helps. Because they have friends that can talk real talk with them. That they have friends that can believe God with them. They have friends that are not going to put up with their excuses. But talk some real word to them when they need it. They're intertwined together. So how does a tree that big do it? It's not just the soil. It's because of the other trees together keeping each other strong. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying today? And that's what church is all about. When you're weak, someone else is strong. When you feel like falling over, someone else is strong. And you don't fall over, and you don't give up, and you don't go your own way because why? You're intertwined together. And vice versa. When somebody else is weak and someone else needs help and someone else needs prayer, you'll be the strong one and they won't fall over. Why? Because your roots are intertwined together, which keeps everyone strong. That's exactly what the church should be. How do those trees so big, so old live and don't fall over? Stay sturdy and they have longevity because they're all connected. Come on, I'm, I'm feeling 10 times more excited on the inside than I'm letting you know. They're all connected. They're all intertwined. Could you imagine the weight of those trees? The soil isn't even strong enough to keep them. But that root system. Do you have roots today? If you started falling over, do you, are you connected with anybody? You know for a fact there's some people that if they're falling over, they have no root system. They have nobody to speak up. They have nobody to pray for them. They have nobody they can call. That should not be us. The house of God, that's what your root system is. If I was struggling tomorrow, I got 200 people I could call. Hopefully you would answer. I was like, who? 200? Who are those people? You guys, I text you first, then you probably respond. And it should be the same way with you. When you're going through a tough time, you're not worried. Well, who am I going to talk to? I got a whole life group of people I could call and talk to. I got a whole church family I, ha- I have to talk to. Why? Because my roots are down deep. And the root systems intertwined keeps us strong. Well, I'm going to wrap this up because we've been preaching. But I want to share a few more things with you about being planted in the house of God. Let's read um, those next verses. I'm going to move this over here towards you guys. Let's go back to the Amplified. Psalm 92. Thank you. Planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish in the courts of our God. Next verse. 
growing in grace. Why? Because you can't grow by yourself. They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust, love, and contentment. Verse 15, now this is the part we want to talk about. They are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright, faithful to his promise. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Let's leave this here. I love it says, even in old age, they'll bear fruit and prosper. Bear fruit and prosper, not sick, nursing home, feeble. That's not what it says. Now, that's what the world says, but that's not what God says. They will still bear fruit and be flourishing. They'll still be in the ministry helps. They'll still be giving. They'll still be worshiping. They'll still be a part of what God is doing, even when they get old. And they'll be fresh and flourishing. Just like the Old Testament saints, when they got older, they didn't die sick. They didn't die feeble. They were still strong in their 80s and 90s and 100s because God had sustained them. Like Caleb said at 85, give me the mountain of giants. That's what we should be like. Life and death where you go to church. How many other churches are saying that this morning? That's what God says. Even in old age, they'll bear fruit. But I love it. It says they will be living memorials. And I want to talk about that for a second. In the Bible times, they would have these memorials when God did something great. And you see it all, especially throughout the Old Testament. And we talked about it actually when we talked about Joshua. When they passed over the Jordan River, they made a memorial to God and they put up all these stones as a memorial to God. So every time future generations went by those stones, they realized God did something here. And they remembered what God did for their grandparents and their parents and the future generations. And so that memorial is a reminder of what God has done that people can look at and say God is real and God did something here. But also in the Bible times, they would plant trees in certain places as a memorial to God. And every time they went by that tree, future generations could say, my great-grandma, God performed a miracle there. My dad planted this tree when God did this for me. And so you see all throughout the Old Testament, they would plant trees as memorials and signs to God. So every time they went by that tree, They remembered. But notice in the New Testament, which we live in, we are the memorials to God. Not just a tree, not just a stone. We are living stones. We are living trees. We are living memorials to God by our life. So when they look at your life, they can see what God has done. And it gives them hope. Now, I want to say something for a second. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But he says a living memorial. And there's certain people in this church we can look at and they're living memorials to God. And what are they a memorial of? The fruit of getting planted and being planted all these years. I think about Brother Les and Miss Mary, a legacy of faith. 
Been planted over 30 years. Brother Dale and Miss Arlene, over 30 some years. See the fruit and their children, and now their children's children. That's a living memorial to be implanted in the house of the Lord. Because it only happened because they were planted in the house of God. So people can look at their lives and say, how is your life like that? How is your family like that? Because we were planted all these years. And they'll see the fruit of being planted. It's a living memorial when they see that. I think about Brother Paul and Miss Donna. A living memorial, their family. Of being planted and you see the fruit. You see not just them, you see their children, and you see their children's children. That's a memorial to God. People outside this church look at their life and say, well, how is your family like that? It's not all the card games. Lord knows it's not. (laughs) Salvation has been lost to those card games. What is it? Being planted in the house of the Lord. And when you're planted, you'll flourish. And there's a legacy of faith. There's a legacy. And there's so many people like that in here. Sometimes the Bible uses the word pillars of the church. But in the Old Testament, a living memorial to God will be like those trees that people can go by and say, look at their family. Look at their life. Look at their children's children. Look at that. How did they get that way? Because they were planted in the house of the Lord. Did they have opportunities to quit? Many. Did they have opportunities to be offended? Many. But they stayed planted and they stayed right towards God. And then you see the fruit of that. Now what is fruit? It's results. So many people have no results in their life of anything. Fruit is results. I I would say that's probably all of our prayers that we are living memorials to God. That people could look at our life, look at our kids, look at our families. Maybe it's not that way right now, but we want it to be that way and say that's a memorial to God. When I look at them, I see God. When I look at them, I want more of God. When I look at them, it encourages me that God can do the same thing for me. But how does that happen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It's that simple. We'll flourish. We'll be fresh, bear fruit even in old age. And there'll be memorials to God as a living memorial. 